you, you pay for it. It's a full-fledged course mm. in the intricacies and nuances of one of the most famous and prolific offenses in the history of the game. June isn't coming on to, to pump that. In fact, when we visited on Friday at Kerry Eggers' retirement roast, and by the way, Kerry joins us tomorrow from near Mount Rushmore. He's on a, on a bit of a road trip, and we'll visit with Kerry and talk to him about that event, what it meant to him to see so many uh, State of Oregon luminaries come and offer their thoughts about Kerry retiring after nearly half a century of work as a sports writer. Kerry will join us tomorrow. But June, I was fortunate enough, sometimes it's just the luck of the bounce and the draw, who you get to see and sit by. It wasn't assigned seating, but there was an open seat. And from behind, I didn't even know who I was sitting down with. But when he turned as I sat there, oh, wait a minute, this is, this is June Jones. And we just started chatting about a number of things. Oh, at Carrie's event? At Carrie's event. And not one of these, not like, hey, can I come on your Joe Beaver show and, and, and pump my uh, teaching clinic with uh, Mouse David? No, I mean, it wasn't that way at all. I didn't even know that was happening <laughs> was until more some further research. Him. No, but I did. We chatted for a long while, and near the end of the conversation, as I knew we were going to be kind of be parting ways, the old get that guy's number, get that fella's number uh, <laughs> kicked in. And I thought, yeah. June, would you be able to come on? And, oh, yeah, I can do that. And so he joins us this hour today at 12.05. And the thing I want to talk to June about more than anything else, because he's experienced it at a number of levels, the ability to quickly turn something. Yeah. I mean, he took 0-12 Hawaii and was 9-4 and in his first year. How? And he took, even more remarkably, he was hired essentially midway through a CFL season with Hamilton, Ontario. Uh. The team was 0-8 and, and abysmal, getting blown out by everybody they played. This is a story that receives less notoriety and fanfare in our world here. CFL, I mean, I, I really, to be honest with you, just haven't really... I've watched some CFL football yeah. on television yeah. when it was available, but it's never been anything that I've gravitated never. towards, if that makes sense. Never. And, in fact, it gets less publicity, less love, less everything than even startup leagues do in this country. June told me about a venture, kind of a joint venture now with the CFL and the XFL that kind of emer – I, I don't remember all the details. He can share that with us next hour. But a merger – where there will be back and forth next year, he believes, as early as next year. And he'll be a coach in the league, I think, if I heard him correctly. there was a, We talked about so many things that it was, it was hard for me to remember all of it. I'm, I didn't, at, at this event, pull out my notebook and start taking notes, which I almost wish I would have to have a better feel for what we talked about. But he's talking about the CFL and the XFL concept coming together and forming a major-type league with travel back and forth in the various franchises from the United States to Canada. And, and there have been teams in the U.S. that have played in the yeah. CFL in the yeah. past, but this will be a much more uh, concerted effort, evidently, a merger wow. between those leagues of some Soon? sort. Not, not too far down the road. We'll talk to June about all of that. But when he took over the Hamilton team, they were 0-8. And the last 10 games he took over, they go 6-4. and four. And he gets the full-time gig for the following year. He was just out of nowhere. 
he wasn't even he wasn't even on the staff. It, I, I don't even know what his role was. Maybe a front office person. What? And they said, June, can you take the team? The rest? Yeah, okay. And they win six of their next ten. There, there was starting zero and eight. What is it? What's the touch? What is it that yeah, he does? There was a show or a movie or a series called The Fixer, something like that, where a guy comes in and analyzes your business that's ready to go out of business and does all these things, turns it around and makes magic out of it. Same idea. It's like, what do they do now? The the new blood, probably the new system, although is that enough time to put in a run and shoot well, system? <laughs> I don't know. That's and, and I look forward to talking to him. About I do that. too. And here's mm-hmm. a question too. If he had to run any other system, would he or could he? Or is, is everything he knows run and shoot? Right. That's a good question. I don't know that that's insulting to say no. you don't know enough about football. It's just, have you run anything else besides run and shoot? As a coach, I'm not sure that he has. You know, certainly at Grant High School, and then he, he began, he, he had three stops collegiately, University of Oregon yeah. for Dick Enright, then Hawaii, then uh, Portland State, then Hawaii. Oh, Hawaii was after <laughs> Portland State. Right. Okay. Yeah, that's, and then it was at... Portland State when he met Junior uh, Mouse mm-hmm. and discovered he must have really fell in love with it. Yeah, because he's kept it going every stop where it's been tried everywhere, mm-hmm. even in the NFL. It's been tried, and it just doesn't stick. But the other thing that's nice about June, not only just to talk to him about sort of the history of that offense and his near perfection of it. it I mean, talking to June about the run and shoot, you're about as close to it as you would if you talked to Mike Leach about an air raid. You're talking to to one of the original architects, inventors of a system. June is very close to that with Mouse Davis. Now, Harlan Ellison, I believe, is given credit for inventing the run and shoot as a concept. But Mouse is about as close to Harlan and the next step removed in terms of beginning to run it constantly and yeah. as a base. But... Not only does June have that and that in itself, whether he ever coached uh, a down against the Beavers or played at Grant High or played at Portland State, he'd be interesting to talk to just simply in the history of football. But he also has coached against the Beavers in some big games. He was at the Oregon State-Hawaii game this past Saturday night. He's still vitally involved with Hawaii football and athletics on the islands. And so he can talk to us about you know, what his eyes told him, what he thought about the Beaver-Hawaii game, what he thinks about Jonathan Smith and what's happening here. And when we talked to Bobby Curran the other day, the Hawaii voice, remember he said he'd had June Jones on that very day on the show mm-hmm. and that June uh, was still living in Hawaii. Yeah, and speak and spoke very highly yeah. of Jonathan Smith and the job he's doing. So we'll we'll touch on all of these things with June at 12.05 today. Trent Cowan on Idaho football. The Vandals up next with the Beavers this Saturday. Wikipedia has him at Oregon, <laughs> then then Hawaii, and lastly at... Oh, he finished at Portland at State? At Portland State in 75-76. Okay. That's okay. And that was around the time Lomax came in. So did it go June Jones to Neil Lomax? It did. And, and then June Lomax broke all his records? All his numbers? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, Neil... Yeah. And Mouse together took the offense to even greater heights, but June's numbers at Portland State were off the charts. Oh yeah, good. oh yeah, yeah. fifty nine hundred yards. He he was amazing. <laughs> yeah. And uh, that time of that that time period with the run and shoot was phenomenal. Yep. And um, 
And then Neil came in and was able to get into the NFL and be a steady quarterback. He had the size and the arm. Mm -hmm. It was just, how's he going to get there? And it was funny because Neil coming out of Lake Oswego, which he's told us, and I knew this because our families go back a number of years, and that he, you know, at, at Lake Oswego, it was handoff right and handoff left. So how in the world did he end up going to a gunslinger like Mouse Davis in Portland State? And it was just... Well, I think it has. Didn't Neil tell us on this very show that he was warming up on the sidelines yeah. or something? And somebody saw the the spin coming out the spin, on the ball out of his hand. You know, six four, six four, built like a linebacker, rocket arm, the spin, and let's go after that guy. And then he and then he does what he does. Uh, you know, hooking up with Stuart Gassoin and and uh, and Portland State for all those records. Speaking of built like a linebacker. About Jack Coletto, the podcast we did with Jack yeah. yesterday was really enjoyable, and we're going to play a snippet of that during our 12 o'clock hour as we await to hear from, we hope, uh, defensive coordinator Tim Tibisar. There may be a player or two also made available today over that T.J. Matthewson and Ron Callen will be gathering audio from, and we hope to get some of that in the show, maybe even get a player live as we've been attempting to do after practices on Tuesday and Wednesday. So that's coming up after June in the second hour. We'll play a snippet of uh, Coletto maybe even later this hour here on the Joe Beaver Show, just depending on how things fall into place as we go. But Coletto, as I think Tibisar himself pointed out, you don't think about this. You think of him as, as, a, as a big quarterback. He is the biggest Inside linebacker that the Beavers have. Is At he the six, biggest three, 239, he is bigger than Omar and Avery. And Wow. I'd have to look at Kyrie Fisher's height and weight and all of that, but I believe, yeah, Jack Coletto is, just by height and weight, Kyrie Fisher, 6'1", 232. Just to compare, Kyrie, 6'1", 232. Avery Roberts, 6'1", 234. Omar Spate, 6'1", 237. And young Jack Coletto, 6'3", 239. <laughs> That's pretty cool. The biggest inside linebacker on the team. It and was the a most fun conversation. the Beavers have ever had, yeah. arguably. That's right. That's right. Linebacker, uh, of course, blocking fullback, quarterback, and uh, he can do other things. Uh, <laughs> it's a fun conversation mm-hmm. we had with him. It's The full conversation is up at OSUBeavers.com, as are all our previous uh, podcasts this year. And uh, it's in the fan zone at OSUBeavers.com. The whole thing is there. But we'll play a snippet of it. And um, he, he was uh, very forthcoming in, in the down point, really, of, uh, of his change in his career. But it didn't seem to last long. He, he seems and he sounded like a guy, he, and is, who just wants to be on the field. And he doesn't care. He wanted to be a quarterback, but he just wants to be on the mm-hmm. field if he doesn't have a choice on that. We didn't. We never asked him about Brett Favre, but not surprisingly, as a quarterback, his hero was Favre, and mm. Favre and that physicality and the toughness yeah. and the gunslinger mentality. But Brett was physically tough, and Jack Coletto is too. And it was Nick Dashiell wrote an excellent story that I reread in preparation for our conversation for the podcast with Jack Coletto. That. That story appeared in October of last year as the Beavers were getting ready for the opener against Washington State late when the the season was reinstated in a truncated form. Nick wrote a very good story wherein Jack admitted that he became quite depressed 
for the first time in his life mm-hmm. when he ran into, in a sense, the reality that the quarterback dream of being a, a quarterback and playing quarterback in the NFL, that it may not happen. Right. He'd been holding on to that and building off that, living off it in some degree since his, his third grade year in elementary school, mm-hmm. all the way on through, and was good enough, talented enough to be meeting success. But, frankly, and he even kind of admitted it at somewhat smaller levels when he arrived yeah. he kind of knew he even said he looked around that first uh, spring at Oregon State and thought you yeah, know maybe I'm not just going to walk in and be the starting quarterback here mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I'm going to have to really work for it and he did he worked like crazy for it and tried to learn the craft but he had a sense of reality pretty early that the quarterback position at Oregon State while he would compete for it mm-hmm. may never be his and he kind of saw that almost immediately when he looked around at the talent around him yeah and and it could have gone maybe other places fcs level uh and been a starter but chose really to to stick it out come here see what's there and like you say looking around thinking okay maybe that even had a little bit of attitude change toward i'll do anything just keep me on the field right because when you're faced with this could be the end then you change your your mind about mm-hmm. certain things like okay all right mm-hmm. he could maybe go on to the next level and hopefully not for a couple of years he'll have eligibility i think next year to be i don't know a gunner on special teams or um you know third string linebacker i don't know but i didn't realize his size was he was the biggest linebacker that we had he's creating some value for himself yeah. for the next level and the nfl dream is still alive for him because of that versatility yeah and strength and physicality and physicality toughness strength speed he's fast enough yeah. too i mean so He's an interesting player, one of the more interesting we've had through the years at Oregon State, and he's thus an interesting conversation on this week's podcast. So after our conversation with Trent Cowan, we'll try to slip a little bit of that in and get it from Jack himself, and we hope to hear from a player, a coach, uh, later in the second hour. June Jones up at 12.05. Let's break. We'll come back with the Idaho Vandals radio analyst, former player at Idaho, Trent Cowan joins us next on 1240 Joe Radio. Hi, I'm former Oregon State athlete Tim Ewis, your Corvallis Edward Jones financial advisor. Financial investments are very important, but so are the investments of time, patience, and encouragement our young athletes receive from their coaches, teachers, and mentors. That's why Edward Jones is a proud sponsor of Oregon State and area high school sports. Call me, Tim Ewis, at 541-758-8245 or stop by my office in the Timber Hill Shopping Complex in Corvallis for all of your investment needs. Edward Jones, making sense of investing. Member SIPC. Go Beavs. Middleton Heating has kept Mid-Valley residents comfortable for over 72 years. Middleton can service, repair, or replace all types of brands of heating and cooling equipment. Plus, they offer financing options on new equipment and also participate in state and federal incentive programs. If your heating unit is giving you trouble, if you have kitchen or dryer venting needs, or if you're just looking for some sheet metal, call Middleton Heating today. You can count on Middleton Heating for all your heating, cooling, venting, and sheet metal needs. Find them online at middletonheating.net. Master the mealtime rush with a refrigerator that helps you cut down on clutter. 
The Whirlpool four-door refrigerator keeps groceries in sight and easy to find. From easy-reach shelves to a flexible ice bin, see how the four sleek compartments help keep ingredients organized so that you can get dinner on the table. Visit Kellenberger Appliance to learn more. Kellenberger Appliance, 21 Main Street, Lebanon, serving all our appliance needs since 1918. Visit Kellenberger Appliance today. This is Beaver Football. I'm Randy Holmes, owner of the Angry Beaver Grill, where we're bringing the tailgate atmosphere for OSU football game day. Going to the game, Angry Beaver will be offering a shuttle service to and from the stadium. Every Tuesday, check out our What Do You Know trivia. Try our extended menu with new items such as chili cheese fries and loaded tachos. And don't miss our daily specials offered Tuesday through Friday. Angry Beaver Grill will be open for breakfast Saturday and Sunday. And at 3 p.m. Tuesday through Friday, thank you for supporting the Angry Beaver Grill on 4th Street in downtown Corvallis. And remember, go Beavs. For auto glass solutions, better call the glass man. Call 541-760-2277. Call the glass man. Hi, this is Jake the glass man. Do you need to repair or replace your windshield? Do you have questions? Stop by or give me a call. For auto glass solutions, better call the glass man. Call 541-760-2277. Call the glass man. Kraken Cards in downtown Corvallis carries sports cards, Pokemon cards, MTG cards, board games, collectibles, card sleeves, playmats, and more. Have you been to Kraken Cards yet? If you're into sports cards and games, Kraken Cards is for you. Kraken Cards knowledgeable staff can help you find what you're looking for and at fair market value. And for you Oregon State fans, Kraken Cards has a dedicated Oregon State alumni box to browse. Kraken Cards, 114 Southwest 3rd, downtown Corvallis. Kraken Cards, your connection to everything fun. We continue on the Joe Beaver Show. Mike Parker, John Warren, June Jones coming up at 12.05 to discuss the Beavers' last game and many other things in his fascinating history in the sport. Our first guest today, kind enough to join us as the radio analyst for the Idaho Vandals and a life in football that has been completely, in a sense, immersed in all things Idaho Vandals. His grandparents, in an article I read, were generous boosters to University of Idaho Athletics. The school's basketball venue, Cowan Spectrum, is named after his grandparents. His mom and dad were UI graduates. His brother eventually uh, also became an All-American punter at Idaho. And Trent Cowan himself, a former Idaho Vandals player, and led the team in receiving uh, in one season and uh, a guy that helped the program turn some things around uh, after some real struggles. And we're going to talk to June Jones about what kind of touches it takes to turn programs around. But when he first got there as a player, 1-11, 1-10, and then 8-4. and four. So he's experienced a lot of things in his life with the Idaho Vandals, and he's kind enough to join us now in his role as the radio analyst for Idaho, the Beavers in Idaho, coming up Saturday afternoon at Reeser Stadium. Trent Cowan, our guest. Trent, good morning. How are you? I'm good. Thanks for having me on, Mike. Appreciate it. Yeah, thanks for coming on. So <laughs> you, it sounds as though you really have known not, I mean, you got a perspective, I'm sure, on a lot of things, but it's been a lot of Idaho Vandal stuff in your life. So to get to be the radio analyst now, what does that mean to you? It must mean a lot. Oh, my gosh. It was, I got the call, and I just absolutely jumped on the opportunity. You know, when they first brought it up to me, 
usually the, the person that was doing it before, they were traveling from Coeur d'Alene, and usually they have somebody, you know, local, Coeur d'Alene, Spokane, Lewiston, and I'm actually um, in the Portland area, so we had to run through a lot of things logistically to make it happen. I got a lot of help, but when they, when they brought it to my attention, I said, there's no way I'm going to miss out on this opportunity, so I'm, I'm just ecstatic to be a part of this, and you know, to just to be able to see Vandal football in person every week, it's really a dream come true, Mike. Well, you have a nice, easy trip down the road this Saturday, won't you? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah, that'll be a quick trip. That'll that'll be fun for sure. <laughs> Tell us a little bit about what you knew then growing up, just how much your family loved Vandal's athletics. I mentioned your grandparents. I mean, it just, I guess, give us a sense of how big, how important it, it has always been in the Cowan household. Oh, it's been it's been a huge part of our life. We have, you know, baby pictures of dressed up in bandle gear, you know, face paint. We'd always go to the Idaho Boise State game. You know, that was a huge rivalry, um, a heated rivalry. So we always looked forward to to that game every single year. But it's played a, a pivotal role in all of our lives. Um, like you said, my my parents my brother, my sister, we all went to the University of Idaho. Um, it's given us so much, and, you know, our family wanted to give back, uh, you know, especially my, my grandpa. Uh, you know, he looked at it, you know, athletics as kind of the front porch of the university. So he, he was, um, you know, a huge presence with the University of Idaho athletics, giving back donations and that's something that is really important to our family, uh, giving back to the university, because we feel like the university has given so much to us. And just to be in this role, um, it's hard to put into words, Mike, uh, what the university means to us. It's, it's just been a pleasure playing football, um, getting an education. Uh, it's, it's really been everything to us. So, uh, you know, just a wonderful experience at the University of Idaho, uh, another place that we can really call home. So mm-hmm. Trent Cowan joining us here on the Joe Beaver Show. John Warren with Mike Parker. Trent, in your time of being a, a fan, a super fan and all of that, has Idaho been behind football and wanting to be strong with it and give everything to it no matter what level it's at because it's been at higher levels and then now in the in in the big sky have you noticed that that they're behind football all the way yeah yeah i think you know we had we had a ton of success at the you know it was called the division one double a level with you know dennis erickson starting that off in 1982 you know tons of playoff experiences at the 1AA level, and then we moved up to the FBS 1A level and and had some tough years for sure, but was able to have three bowl victories, you know, in that 22-year span. And then, you know, we're back to the, the big sky at the FCS level playing regional opponents, the Montanas, Eastern, Portland State, teams like that. And I think, you know, the fan base is, is coming around. And, uh, they, but first and foremost, they want to see a winner. You know, we went back to the big sky. They want to see victories. Um, the, the W's that we had in the eighties and the nineties when we had so much success. So I think people are, are open to it. The fan base is energetic. They want to, but they want to see the, the wins. And so that's something, you know, the past couple of years, we haven't been able to have that success yet. Um, but I think, 
they're they're hoping this is the year. So it's exciting. You know, we play Oregon State this week, and then we go into Big Sky play, and that's really that's really where the the, the season you know kind of starts, so to speak, um, and trying to get that that playoff. I think that's what the Vandal fans want to see is uh, playoff appearances and you know seven eight nine win seasons like we were accustomed uh in the 80s and the 90s in this incarnation of idaho vandal football i imagine you're not playing boise state is it who's the rival now do you just pick a league rival and someone you don't like is it portland state who who, who do you guys not like right now and, and get up for the big game I think that the number one it, it, right now for, for Vandal football is Montana. Um, and we've got to figure out a way to beat those guys. because They've had our number. Uh, um, they've had our number since the Big Sky for sure. But that, that's the game that Vandal fans really, when it comes to Big Sky, that they're, they're the one that's getting circled on the schedule every single year. Uh, Montana, we, we had a, um, a strong rivalry even before. And now that we're in the Big Sky, we're playing them hopefully every year. Um, that's the Big Sky had a came out with future schedules, and they're not a protected rival, so to speak. And I know that irks a lot of Vandal fans, um, but we're hoping to play those guys every single year because that's really that's the game that Vandals see as as a rivalry is the Montana Grizz. Trent Callen, the radio analyst for Idaho Vandals football, joining us. Touching a little bit on what John was getting at, Trent, the, I read in, in preparing for the game this Saturday, and if this is a fact, maybe you can bear it out, but that Idaho is the, was the first FBS program or Division One to voluntarily drop back down to the FCS after the 2017 season, after the long run of the Big West at Division One, the Sun Belt, the WAC, and Independent in 2013, back to the Sun Belt, 14 to 17, and a decision made institutionally to come back to the Big Sky. How difficult, in your sense of things, Trent, was it to arrive at that? Was there a lot of controversy about it? Did fans argue for maintaining somehow, some way, Division One A status? Yeah, it was definitely controversial that they, they you know, University of Idaho, they lost a lot of fans, um, you know, donations, fans with that decision, uh, spearheaded by the president at the time, uh, President Chuck Staben. And uh, it, it, it was a difficult decision that, you know, our family was um, staunch believers in, you know, staying FBS. Um, so that's kind of where our family's viewpoint was at the time. Um and it has been difficult. Uh, the fan base was, was divided. There was a lot of people that thought it was a good idea to go back to the big sky at the FCS level, and a lot of people that really were turned off and said, hey, you know, you can kiss my check goodbye. You can, um, you know, we're not going to show up to games. We're not going to travel. Um, so I think, you know, the university so far, we have a new president, President Scott Green, a new athletic director, um, they're trying to get those people back in the fold, and I think they're making progress. Um, we got a new arena that's coming out in the fall, so I think it's kind of baby steps in trying to resolve um, kind of the fractured fan base that we had a couple of years ago, and trying to get those people back into the fold. But it was a very controversial um, topic, like you said, first team to go from FBS to FCS, 
And I think the, the one way you can mend that relationship is for victories on the football field. Mm-hmm. You know, people want to see a winner, and I think that's going to be the first and foremost way to get those Vandal fans back in the fold. Do those people, and what's the overall feeling of where you want to be and where you're most comfortable? Because at FBS, there was a lot of floating around, being so small and, and trying to find a league mm-hmm. and the, to the travel changes within the department, all of that. Would there be a settlement of being FCS, Big Sky, settle in and be in that league every year? Or does the f- general fan base say, no, we really, and even the athletic department, we'd really like to be up at FBS and be on that smaller smaller plane. Yeah, that was that was a big reason why, you know, kind of dropping down the FCS is to have that stability in the Big Sky Conference. Like you said, you know, Big West, you know, no longer a football conference. Then we, we had a, our first stint in the Sun Belt. Then we went to the WAC that, you know, obviously disbanded. Now the WAC's trying to start back at the FCS level. Um, and then, we you know, we got kicked out of the Sun Belt. So we really didn't have a home. The the two options were FBS independence and dropping down to the FCS level. So that's one thing that the Vandals, you know, haven't had is stability, and that's been that's been tough. Obviously, you see the records, you know, from 2001 to 2017, it was tough sledding. Uh, one thing that does hurt the you know being a smaller budget is is um, going down to FCS. Now when you play those FBS Power 5 programs, you get about a third of the payout that you would if you were, you know, an FBS independent like um, New Mexico State. They're getting, you know, $1.5 million per games against big Power 5 opponents. And now um, going down to FCS, you're going to get, you know, five hundred, six hundred k um, instead of that one point five. So that's one thing to, to consider. Um but, yeah, you know, having that stability in the big sky is nice. Being able to play Montana, that's a positive. More regional um, opponents. You know, I played in the Sun Belt. So uh, that, was, that was definitely something about traveling <laughs> to the southeast every other right. week. Um, right. You know, getting back home at 2 a.m., you know, Moscow. <laughs> that, was, um, that was definitely something else. So I think, you know, having that stability will be nice uh, for the Vandal Athletic Program, you know, moving forward. Trent Cowan joining us. A lot of interesting stuff about the the Idaho history, which, as you know, impinged for decades in the PCC. I mean, a power a power mm-hmm. player in the Pacific Coast Conference with uh, equal standing with uh, many great programs through the years. I'm sure you have. Whether you know many, maybe your grandparents remember the PCC days, but. They, you know, they would play, you know, Oregon State, Oregon, and the other yeah. members of the PCC frequently, and were in the same league for decades. What about those days? I bet there's a lot of people that look back to those fondly. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. You know, the old Pac-12, essentially right. the PCC. Vandals, um, they they didn't have a ton of success there. Montana was actually in that league as mm-hmm. well. Mm-hmm. Um, I believe the Vandals did have one title. In yes. the PCC, nineteen twenty-seven. Uh, yeah, I, they did. I believe. Yeah, um, and I believe they left that league in the fifties, mm-hmm. and then were one of the founding members of the Big Sky in the early sixties. Right. So we were in the Big Sky for a while, a very long time. So it's kind of a homecoming of sorts, being back in that league, and then um, we made the move up to the FBS one A level in ninety-six, but. 
yeah, the PCC days with the Oregon schools, you know, we were a part of that. Yes. Um, so it is, it is an interesting history for sure. Trent, we're going to talk to June Jones, who has been uh, the architect of the run, one of the leaders of the run and shoot, and also a master of turnarounds. When I alluded to your own experience at Idaho, it helped me a little bit to understand tough years, it sounds like, at the beginning under Paul Petrino, but then you go from one win seasons back-to-back to eight and four. What happened? I mean, and what, what do you sense is a key to getting a program turned? Yeah, I think it really starts with the culture. Um, when Coach Petrino came in in 2013, uh, the cupboard was pretty bare. Um, it, was, it was a team that was really struggling. Obviously, you had the coaching change, um, and he really had to implement that culture, that toughness. And so, you know, you, you look at that first year, one, we won one game, we were getting blown out, you know, most of the time. It, it was tough. And that first year, we were actually independent. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the whack was, was gone. The last year was 2012. So that 13 year we were independent. Then we went into the Sun Belt. So that first year, it, it was tough. And I think the staff knew it was going to be tough. It was going to be a, a rebuild of sorts. And then you look at that 14, 2014 year, the second year that Coach Petrino was there and the second year that I was there, we won one game, but we were a lot more competitive. We weren't getting blown out as regularly as we were the year before. And then it's just baby steps, you know. You bring in those recruits, you have the culture, and then 2015 hits and you finally start to see a few more wins. Uh, You go from one win to to four wins. So then you're thinking, you know, maybe there is light at the end of the tunnel. And then really my class, you know, when we were seniors, we just got to the point where we said, you know, we're we're done losing. This is going to be a bowl. We're going to go to a bowl game or it's going to be a bust. Um, And we're not – we weren't looking at six wins. We, we had gotten to the point where we felt like, you know, playing in the Sun Belt, we could win eight or nine games. And I actually, I was at the Sun Belt media days that season, and I, I even said that. I said, we're not going for six wins. We're going for eight or nine. You think we have the talent, the coaching staff to do that. And so we really, we believed. At that point when we got to my senior year, we believed that we could win. We expected to win. And Coach Petrino really put that, in our minds, and that was the cultural culture around the program, and which led to us, my senior year, 2016, going nine and four mm. and beating Colorado State in the bowl game. Very nice, very nice. I have two quick questions on this um, before we let you go, real quickly. I've always wondered. I've been with Oregon State sports, traveling to the Palouse for different sports. And I've always wondered about two, you have two population bases, not very big, out in the middle of nowhere, the middle of nowhere. And I don't say that derogatory, I just, it's a fact. And it's beautiful there, it really is. But, but, but two, two colleges, does Idaho try to vie for any Washington, not Washington State, but any um, basically Pullman dollars? Do you expect fans, do you expect dollars to come over to Moscow, or are they two complete separate entities when it comes to sports, the sports dollar on a Saturday afternoon, or any of the other sports? They're pretty separated, I would say. I think maybe a little bit. Um, You know, Moscow has a lot of the restaurants. So in terms of dollars, I don't know specifically to the Idaho Athletic Department, but 
what will happen is there's a lot more restaurants in Moscow than Pullman, so a lot of people from Pullman will actually go. Okay. You know, they might go to the game, and then they'll head over to Moscow to go eat. Um, but generally, sometimes what will happen is Idaho, usually the home games, they play in the afternoon, 1 or 2 o'clock. And then sometimes it'll work out where WSU will play at night. So what you'll see is, you know, Bandle fans, they'll do a double header. They'll hmm. go to the Idaho Bandle games in the afternoon and hit the WSU game. Um, so I think you see more, probably more so Idaho fans cheering on Idaho and then maybe checking out, you know, the yeah. Pac-12 school down the road. More so than really, you know, the Pac-12 school checking out, um, you know, the Big Sky school, so to speak. It makes total sense, and I've always wondered. I I like your anecdote about uh, the restaurants. Uh, All of that makes sense. Last thing, uh, I don't know about you guys, but but, uh, Mike and and Trent, but I like to, whenever you come across a school you haven't played in a while or you've never played them before, the, the six degrees of separation on how you might be connected to that school in any way. So here I'm going to throw some history at you. Doug Nussmeyer, who's currently the quarterback's coach of the Dallas Cowboys, grew up in my hometown. His teacher was my junior high school lit teacher, so therefore, <laughs> I'm an Idaho Vandal. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I love it. And I mean, you got a ton of, uh, you know, Vandal connections kind of on the Oregon State staff. I don't know if you know this, uh, Mike. Brian Lindgren, the offensive coordinator at Oregon State, he threw for 637 yards for Idaho football against Middle Tennessee State in the early 2000s, and it's still a top 10 FBS record uh, for most passing yards in a single game. Brian Lindgren. And that is a, I'm glad you brought that up. Uh, I, I'm interviewing Brian a little bit later today, and that will definitely come up. Were you, by chance, at that game? I was not at that game, okay. but I was following it. Like, when I was little, you know, seven, eight, nine years old, I would, uh, I would try to listen to it or find it on the TV. Back then, it was a little bit harder, so I would just have the game pass, you know, on the computer and just follow along every play, refresh it, refresh it, refresh it. That was how big of a hardcore vandal nice. I was. So I was probably on the computer refreshing those stats, <laughs> the, the crazy stats that he was putting up that day. That is crazy. 637 in wow. a game is, is incredible. I look forward to talking to Brian about that. Trent, final thing, and that is just simply the team that you have. What you Did you make the trip? Did you and Chris King, your broadcast partner, go back to Indiana? Yes, we did. Okay, good. We did. Um, it, it was it was a great atmosphere. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, what one thing that was uh, you know disappointing was the special teams play. I have to tell you that fifty six points that Indiana put up is really misleading when it comes to the defense. Okay, um, the defense only gave up three hundred and thirty eight total yards wow. against Indiana, yeah. only four point eight yards of play. So the the front the defensive front seven for the Vandals is impressive. It's a stout front seven. Uh, the two players are really um, that make up that front seven are in the middle of the defense. You got the nose tackle Noah Ellis, who you'll see mm-hmm. a lot this weekend, and then Trey Walker, the middle linebacker, sixteen tackles last week, um, and an improved secondary. So it's uh, we're hoping to be more competitive than we were last week. Um, but first and foremost, we have to clean up the, the special teams play. That's for sure. That is a that's important to note. You know, my own preparations. All I've I've gotten the score. I've gotten personnel jotted down. 
but the detail about only 338 yards is quite impressive. That's a very low number. So you're saying in the trenches, holding up at the line of scrimmage, you must have been okay against a good Big Ten program on the road. Oh, yeah. Uh, if you if you watch the film, Noah Ellis, he's uh, 6'4", 6'5". I, I passed him in the hallway at the hotel, <laughs> about 345 pounds. He's a behemoth of a human being he's mm-hmm. the nose tackle and he had six tackles against indiana watching the film indiana offensive line couldn't block him mm-hmm. um they, they could not block him he's a guy that um was supposed to go to mississippi state out of high school his dad is uh luther ellis yeah. he's the defensive line coach he played 10 years in the nfl and then he also has two brothers in the nfl currently so that's somebody that you're going to want to keep an eye out on. And then Trey Walker, who's actually he was the Big Sky Defensive Player of the Year, the preseason pick mm-hmm. um, for this upcoming season. So there's definitely some talent on that defense. And, and like I said, you know, that 56 points number, that's really misleading. Uh, a lot of that had to do with poor special teams play last week. Interesting. Trent, it's been a pleasure to visit with you. Look forward to meeting you come uh, Saturday at Reeser Stadium. Back-to-back weeks, the Big Ten, the Pac-12, and then into the Big Sky. We've always had, as John, the connections to Idaho, whether Doug Nussmeyer or Dennis Erickson, people that have met Jonathan Jonathan Smith, Smith. Brian Lindgren, people that mean Mm -hmm. a lot to us here. Uh, We appreciate the fact you're coming down to play this game and look forward to a good one. But I, I'm sure you're excited, too. You know these connections run pretty deep with Dennis and some of the other people we talked about. Oh, absolutely. My brother was actually in Jonathan Smith's quarterback room. Hmm. Uh, when my brother went to the University of Idaho, he was a quarterback punter. And so his first year when he was redshirting in 2008, uh, Jonathan Smith was the quarterback's coach. And he said he'd never seen a coach um, on the whiteboard, X's and O's, as, do such a great job as, as Jonathan Smith. And, and just being a Northwest guy and, and knowing people that either coached with uh, Jonathan Smith, played for him, or just know him, I have yet to hear a negative word spoken about um, the head coach, Jonathan Smith. You know, they, they tell you he's a phenomenal coach, but he's an even better guy. So I, I'm really, minus this upcoming game this weekend, I'm really rooting hard for the Beaver program. And I hope that you guys, uh, you know, go bowling this year for sure. Thanks so much, Trent. Really nice Thanks, to Trent. meet you and talk to you and look forward to talking to you on Saturday in person at Reeser. Thanks for taking time for us. Hey, thank you so much for having me on. Trent Cowan, our guest. He just got hired. Yeah, I know. This is his first year. A couple months ago. And he he gets to go back to Bloomington. He comes down here. That's an, that's a nice gig, a nice way to get started for a young broadcaster who, who played as recently as uh, 2016. You know who Nussmeyer played for? He was their quarterback. He was a great quarterback at Idaho. John L. Smith. I was just going to say, John L. Smith, <laughs> the, the, the coaches are messing it yes. up. Yes. The great, I mean, one of the great sound bites great, ever. That's another great great name attached to it was is. coaching at Idaho. He's from the area. It's a great coaching tree. I am a yeah. Keith Gilbertson, John L., Chris Tormey, Tom Cable, Dennis twice, two yeah. runs for Dennis, one year in 06 with Jonathan on his staff. I w- can the John L. Smith soundbite be reproduced as we go to break? I didn't hear today. Rich Eisen, I was listening to Rich a little bit, just bouncing around, navigating other sports radio stations, 
And Rich Eisen said the soundbite of the year from college football is coming up next. Well, he kept teasing it and kept teasing it, and eventually I wasn't able to hear it. So what, what does it? Rich Eisen think the soundbite of the year is? He never said. For this year? This year, so far. The soundbite of the year from college football know. coming up. We'll have some fun with it. Well, you know, I, so I don't know what it is or was, but I, that got me thinking about John L. Smith and one of the great soundbites ever. Let's take a break. We'll come back with more on 1240 Joe Radio. Wise Photo Printing has moved. Stop by their new location at 6th and Adams next to Ball Studios in downtown Corvallis. Need a passport or visa picture for any foreign country, including Canada? Need to transfer an old video or film to a digital format? Looking to restore or manipulate an image or need a high-resolution scan of a print negative or a slide? Wise Photo Printing can help. They have a self-service kiosk, too. Wise Photo Printing, now in their new location at 6th and Adams next to Ball Studios in downtown Corvallis. Helping you get it done. Cascade Barbecue is serving up the best and freshest smoked meats in the Corvallis and surrounding Willamette Valley area. Featuring its signature soak and smoke style barbecue with our applewood smoked tri-tip, hanging and banging ribs, pulled pork and wood fire smoked chicken. Cascade is open Tuesday through Sunday, 11 a.m. for dine-in and takeout and can also accommodate all your tailgating and catering needs. Cascade features a large outside seating area and be sure to check out their website, CascadeBBQ.org, for upcoming events such as live music and weekly trivia. Cascade Barbecue on Kings Boulevard in Corvallis. There it sits in the corner of your garage or heaven forbid in your house. It's taking up space and costing you money. It's your old traditional water heater. Hi, this is Katie Albin with Albin's Plumbing. Why not replace that old dinosaur with an energy efficient tankless unit that provides unlimited hot water without the expense of heating a big tank? At Albin's Plumbing, plumbing's all we do. Call 754-8282-Albin's Plumbing. Power Motorsports September sale is going on now. You'll save on select new Kawasaki vehicles in stock. And whether it's on-road, off-road, or on the water, Power Motorsports has the Kawasaki you want in stock at the price you deserve. Going back to school is fun on a new 2021 Kawasaki Z900 RS. MSRP is $11,299. Power price is $99.99. Explore your rebellious side of fun with the 2021 Kawasaki Z125 Pro Mini Naked Motorcycle. MSRP is $32.99. Power price is $39.99. Start your ride at Power Motorsports and Sublimity online at powermotorsports.com. We set them up. You knock them down. Fall leagues are now forming at Highland Bowl. Get a group of friends together and reserve your spot. A fall league is fun, good exercise, inexpensive, and perfect for beginners. And with 14 different leagues to choose from each week, you're sure to find something just right. For more info, call or stop by Highland Bowl on 9th Street in Corvallis or log on to HighlandBowl.com. So the wife rolls into the living room. Honey, you need to get off of the couch and get busy on that list of projects I have for you. And I says to her, but I don't have all the equipment. Oh, she rattles off, that's no excuse. You can rent all the tools and equipment you need from Philomath Rental. And since they're open seven days a week, you can go out there today. All right already, darn you, Philomath Rental. Philomath Rental, behind Landmark Realty, one and a half miles west of the Sunset Shopping Center. Tools and equipment for farm, home, and business. Mike Parker and John Warren continuing on the Joe Beaver Show. Enjoyed the conversation with Trent. The connections, when you start to kind of diving into it, do run pretty deep. And the fact that even in 2008, Jonathan Young in his coaching career in Idaho 
when he first left the nest, so to speak, at Oregon State and ventured out, we knew he'd have to go away to be able to come back at some point. And after his two years as a graduate assistant, first for Dennis, then for Mike Riley on the return, you know, John, Jonathan coached with Dennis in 02 and with Mike in 03 after wrapping up his career in 01. When, what were the years he was in Idaho? Well, Idaho? I'd have to look, I'd have to pull because, Jonathan's bio up at around four to yeah, eight or nine. Yeah, okay, right okay. There. Because when I was still with women's basketball, Pretty much everybody stays at the University Inn. It's the biggest hotel in between Moscow and Pullman. Mm-hmm. Um, Dennis would have his, you know, a weekly coaches meeting at the uh, University Inn. Yes, he would. And so we were there and came back from a shoot around or something, and I ran into Dennis, and he was very, very kind. Yep. We talked a little, and I saw Jonathan. Sure. I've it, seen Jonathan there on trips yeah. when he was at Idaho. and, and That other... was kind of fun. Yes, it was. We're going to get to some Jack Coletto after the conversation with June Jones, and then we hope to talk to a player after practice from the defensive side today, working on that front. About let's, a minute and a half, Yeah, Dave. let's go to Dave on the Downward Dog phone line. Good morning, Dave. Hey, guys. Just a couple of things. First first about the Beavers, second about something not even, not even remotely close to the Beavers, but um, just the job that that Jonathan Smith and Linger are doing with the quarterbacks. I think we saw it with Luton and his jump from one year to the next. And I think it's, you know, the jump we're seeing from Nolan from last year to this year. It just leaps and bounds. You know, I, I can't say enough about what those guys are doing with, you know, specifically with the quarterbacks and, and bringing those guys up and, uh, you know, having them, having them ready to step up to the next level and, and play at that higher level and be competitive. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I think it's, I think it says a lot from from seeing other coaches and how how in the past you know quarterbacks kind of you know maybe plateaued and didn't have that that next jump. Um, but on on an offhand, John, I sent you something this morning. I don't know if you got a chance to look at it. I was um, seeing that uh, Barnum, Coach Barnum, up at Portland State. Oh, I yeah, <laughs> and I read that somewhere else too. By yeah, Zano, and uh, and he. And I'm only bringing this up because I'll be at the Portland State Western Oregon game this Saturday in Hillsboro, two o'clock. My daughter happens to be on the cheer team at Western Oregon, so I'll be there oh, cool. watching their football games. Um, not necessarily, not necessarily for the football, but I'm going to be there, and I hope to see some good football. Hey, Dave. Um, hey, Dave. Dave, I, I'm not sure. We have a minute left, but I'm not sure. But I thought Dave from Tumwater said the same thing that his daughter was on the cheer squad at Western Oregon. That maybe you got us wrong. I, I don't. I thought he said that. Water has a, a college age. Daughter? Well, that's. I was wondering. I was wondering about <laughs> I that. I think you may be mixing up the day. Uh, Doctor Seuss wrote a book, Too Many Daves, and that may be the okay. problem here. Well, anyway. But anyway. So anyway, the bigger thing is, is he told he tells Conzano, anybody comes down to Barney's Beard Garden at the Hillsboro Stadium, mentions. I heard Conzano on. You know, I heard yeah. him on Bald Face Truth. Um, he's buying free beer for everybody <laughs> for the poor stadium. So, we got about fifteen seconds. You know, a, Thanks, Dave. Thanks, Dave. Sorry to cut you off. That's a Pokey Allen type of promotion for the program and a good idea. June Jones next. Here's the microphone. This thing on. Everybody hear me? Twelve forty. Joe Radio. 
Dave's Performance Hybrids is the Willamette Valley's Prius experts and your Toyota dealer alternative. Dave's Performance Hybrids specializes in Prius sales, Prius service, and Prius batteries, but also services all other Japanese brand cars, trucks, and SUVs. Get peace of mind before you hit the road with Dave's Guardian Full Vehicle Inspection Report so you know about possible failures before they occur. With over 120 years of experience under one roof, you'll get expert service every time. Off I-5 at Highway 20 in Albany, online at davesperformancehybrids.com. With the Bloomberg Business of Sports Report, I'm Charlie Pellet, brought to you by Exergen, a company that most of the legal American sports betting industry uses to verify that its customers are where they say they are, reports a record number of transactions over the first weekend of the NFL season. GeoComplice Solutions says it recorded 58.2 million geolocation transactions across 18 states and Washington, D.C. That represents a 126% increase from the same period of the 2020 NFL season. WinBet, the mobile sports betting app from Win Resorts, has been named the official sports betting partner of the New York Jets. The Subway restaurant chain is teaming up with Stuart Haas Racing and driver Kevin Harvick as part of its return to the NASCAR Cup Series. Dick's Sporting Goods will be hiring big time over the holidays. It plans to add up to 10,000 seasonal associates. And that's the Bloomberg Business of Sports Report. I'm Charlie Pellet. Again, more breakthrough cases alone will protect you from COVID-19. Think again. More breakthrough cases of COVID variants show that vaccinated people are still vulnerable to the deadly disease. To be safe, monitor regularly for fever as it's the leading sign of COVID-19. Use Exergen, the only thermometer scientifically proven to detect fever. And beware of non-contact devices that miss five out of six fevers. Remember, vaccines are not enough. So protect yourself and your family with the Exergen Temporal Scanner. Learn more at exergen.com. Dell's semi-annual sale is the perfect opportunity for a significant business upgrade. Save up to 45% on Dell computers built for business with Windows 10 Pro. Plus, enjoy special pricing on Dell docks, monitors, servers, and more, all with easy financing options through Dell Financial Services. Succeed anywhere with Windows 10 Pro. Speak to a Dell Technologies advisor today to find the right tech for your business with fast, free shipping. Call 877-ASK-DELL. That's 877-ASK-DELL. Owning an LS tractor is about a lot of things. For me, it's about lift capacity. It's about the hydraulics. Owning an LS, it's about how well it's made. Steel, baby. More features. Standard features. It's about the land. Having something to pass down. It's about having pride in my work. It's about owning the best. LS Tractor. What's it about for you? Power Motorsports. Online at PowerMotorsports.com. Hi, I'm Dennis Silvers, the golf guru, with another important golf minute to improve that all-important putting. A lot of instructors feel it helpful to stay completely still on short putts where the line is the key to making the putt and feel is not a major concern. However, on putts that are 30 feet longer, you'll make a better stroke and have better feel by letting your weight shift slightly from side to side. This shift could be very minimal. You should feel your body shift slightly to the right on the backstroke and onto the left side on the forward stroke. This will allow you to make a free-flowing stroke with consistent rhythm. If you try and keep your weight rock steady on longer putts, you will instinctively apply more power with your hands and wrists, resulting in a loss of speed and putter face direction. So remember, being a little shifty on longer putts will provide you with maximum control. So do your best Elvis, 
allow your weight to shift slightly from side to side. For the Golf Minute, I'm Dennis Silvers. Thank you very much. I need tech that can make me as productive in my home office as I am at my office office. It's possible with Staples Connect. How about a PC that'll help me get the most out of my day and my budget? Staples Connect makes it possible with the tools you need to work from anywhere. And now get up to $200 off select PCs like the Lenovo IdeaPad 5i with Intel i5 processor. Explore what's new at your local Staples or staplesconnect.com. Staples Connect, the working and learning store ends 918 in store only limit two are you looking for a rewarding new career join the united states postal service and apply for roles nationwide serve your community with pride and receive benefits including competitive pay and opportunities for advancement whether you're looking for full-time part-time or seasonal positions we have options that may be perfect for you the united states postal service is an equal opportunity employer Apply now at usps.com slash careers. Hey Siri. Uh-huh. Take me to the Joe Beaver Show, 1240 Joe Radio. One option is Joe Crow Reservoir in Oregon. Is that the one you're looking for? No. Which the Joe Beaver? The Joe Beaver Show, 1240 Joe Radio. On it. It's a destination people have sought for generations. I'll be near Oregon. And take my wagon train to the Willamette Valley in Oregon. Be sure to come prepared. I'm fascinated. I'm fascinated too. Right on the arm. And with the proper gear. Shall we select our masks? And even in this exacting age. Everything you say Come ready to contribute, even if your own son has his doubts. Dad and his mysterious phone calls. <laughs> Remembering what a call to Joe can do. Those phone calls put you through college. As you draw closer, note the surrounding characters. And know this, John and Mike will celebrate when you get here. All right, looks like we're here. I'm appreciative, Siri. Indeed you are. Thank you. No problem. And we are very appreciative that you've joined us for the second hour of the Joe Beaver Show. We'll hear from Jack Coletto a little bit later, a snippet of the podcast that we uh, conducted with Jack yesterday, and we hope to visit with outside linebacker Riley Sharp before the hour is over. It is a pleasure to welcome to the show and ran into June unexpectedly. I didn't know he was going to be there at the uh, gala event at Langdon Farms, the retirement roast for sports writer Carrie Eggers. Carrie, by the way, will join us tomorrow. But uh, many luminaries were there. The great Bill Shonley on hand. Pat Casey was there. Craig Hanneman was there. And June Jones was there, too. And it was a pleasure to get to visit with June for the first time in quite a few years. One of the more fascinating uh, characters, in my opinion, in the history of coaching in uh, at so many levels, and we touched on a few things that I hope we can explore a little bit more today. June, good afternoon. Thank you for taking time for us. How are you today? 
I'm doing good, Mike. And it was uh, it was a, a special occasion. I'm glad that I that I went. And uh, Carrie was a big part of me from high school days and and all the way through my pro uh, career too. I was going to ask you, June, what the connection was. I mean, for you to take the time to come to that event, it was clear that Carrie had meant something to you through the years. Tell us a little bit more about that, if you would. Yeah, well, uh, while I was a Grant General, he was at Corvallis High School, and we competed against each other. And then when I got to Portland State, he was already involved in uh, writing and and being a part of the media. And... uh, so, you know, he constantly would touch base when I was with the Falcons after Portland State years. And and uh, we just became, you know, I guess the first uh, viral friends before computers and everything. <laughs> <laughs> we were on the phone all the time. So, nice. nice. So I, I, I always enjoyed uh, catching up because he always brought me up to date with the Beavers and Portland State, the Ducks and the Blazers and everybody else as we talked. Now, speaking of being up to date, let's just start first with you were it, it, that event with Kerry at Langdon Farms coincided with Hawaii playing at Oregon State, a game you attended. So let's just start there with the immediate, uh, June, before we look back at your remarkable career and what's still going on in it. But what about the game? What, what kind of impressions did you come away with from both teams, but in particular Oregon State? Well, I was really. Uh you know, kind of listening a little bit more to uh, leading up to that game about Oregon State and what a big game it was for them. And uh, I knew, uh, and I think I told you at the uh, at the roast, that, that I thought the Beavers were, were uh, a better football team than, than Hawaii. And uh, I kind of felt if the Beavers could run the ball, which they proved they did, and that was right off the bat, they... They kind of dominated up front. Uh, I, I was uh, the quarterback uh, uh, played extremely well. I don't think he had an incomplete pass for for uh, two or three quarters. Uh, he, he he really brought his game to a higher level. And of course, with that said, not being able to stop the, stop the run and the quarterback hitting everything he threw is going to make it awful tough for for uh, uh, Hawaii to win that game. I, I also, uh, you know, realized that that that, that game uh, was really necessary to get a win because now you really got an opportunity to go to a bowl game, I think, because I think you this week, you know, you don't want to look past anybody, but I know the Beavers are, are better than Idaho. And uh, 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 I know as they get into the Pac-12 uh, schedule, that they uh, they feel they can win every game that they have in that in that uh, conference, so that's pretty exciting. And and uh, you know that'll get them to a bowl game if they just win uh, 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 probably four of the five or five of the six left. June Jones joining us, one of the more successful and interesting coaches in the modern era collegiately, the NFL, the CFL, the XFL. We're going to touch on all of these things and, of course, at the collegiate level as well. One other thing before we leave that off, your thoughts. Bobby Curran told us that he was a guest, uh, that you were a guest on his show last week leading into the Oregon State-Hawaii game and that you spoke highly of Jonathan Smith. June, I'm wondering, just as a fellow coach, 
what you've seen Jonathan go about in taking over the program that he did and the condition it was in and what he's been doing here? Well, you know, I've obviously uh, from afar been very uh, uh, alert to what Oregon State has had with their program the last 10 10 years. Uh, I was even more uh, aware of it as we played uh, back in 99 and played in 06. Mm -hmm. In 06, the the year you, the Beavers beat us in in Hawaii, I thought was one of the great football games of of, of all time. And uh, you know, I followed Jonathan. I I talked to Steve Priest uh, off and on, an ex Oregon State Beaver that that was my era at uh, in Atlanta. He was with the Rams, and we used to work out all the time together. And and uh, uh, I just know what he's done with that team pulling together, not so much with the X's and O's, but I can tell they play together as a team. And the chemistry is different right now when you watch them on the field. They're all, uh, uh, everybody's involved. Everybody's pulling for everybody. Nobody cares who makes a play, who is the guy. Uh, And that probably chemistry thing that Jonathan has developed, I think, wins more games than anything else that you can do on a football field, X's and O's. And so from that standpoint, I think he's really close to getting it done. That's praise from Caesar as far as I'm concerned in terms of trying to turn a program around and whether you put your finger on it. You know, for you, X's and O's has got to come in with the amazing run-and-shooting systems you've run and been successful with wherever you've coached. But when you talk about the 06 game, I agree with you. That's one of the best college games I've ever seen anywhere, anytime. That was an amazing game. But the first time you coach against the Beavers, you were finishing up the most, the biggest turnaround at that time in the history of college football to go from 0-12 to beating the Beavers in the Oahu Bowl to finish 9-4. and June, how did you do that? I mean, is it more of a chemistry thing? Was it X's and O's, a combination thereof? Well, it's a combination thereof. You know, my, like you're talking about our offense, uh, that's all part of building the chemistry as well to get the guys to believe that in what you're doing and that you're given the best chance to win, you know, and I think, uh, you know, uh, being able to pull the team together, which we did that, uh, quickly, uh, you know, I, I, in fact, I, I was telling some, we were talking about that season just, uh, uh, a few weeks ago with somebody and, and I was talking about, uh, uh, they hadn't won a game on the road. I don't think for, 15 or 20 years. I, I can't. I, I don't remember when it, when the last one was. But but uh, we went four and zero on the road that year. Uh, we didn't get beat. I mean, we beat everybody on the road, and that that is done because the kids buy in to what you're telling them about being a team and and putting the other guy first. And and I think that word not used very often in football. Uh, you have to have is love, and that's love for the players, love for the players to the coach, love for the player to player. And that that really is the difference in being good and being great. June, when I hear you talk about that special team and that group, but you end up also going 
culminating, in a sense, the amazing run at Hawaii with a trip to a BCS game. I mean, all the years and levels that you have coached, was that where does that rate in terms of gratifying, satisfying as an achievement to take Hawaii to the BCS? Well, you know, obviously it was a goal to, to, to get it done. I think I'll probably appreciate it a lot more, you know, maybe 10 or 15 years from now when I'm I'm not coaching anymore, not involved in, in anything. Uh, I know what we did was very hard to do. Um, I don't know that it'll ever happen again, uh, you know, for Hawaii. Uh, but we got it done, and I'm proud of that, and I'm proud of the players and the kids and and uh, you know we took uh, we we it, w- it was not easy but but we got it done and and uh, that 207 year we went undefeated beat Washington in the last game after being down 28 to seven we beat them 35 28 that was pretty special. Speaking of special, you told me something that I was not aware of. I was aware of 0-12 and 9-4. and I saw it firsthand when you beat us in that Oahu Bowl to finish that amazing run. But something that may, may not have gotten as much attention, you told me about, and I subsequently read a little bit about it, that Hamilton Tiger Cats in 2017, you took over a team. I'm trying to remember what you told me where you were with respect to that organization. But that team in the CFL was 0-8. You take the job and go 6-4 and down the stretch. To me, that's almost as miraculous as anything I've ever heard of. Tell, tell us the circumstances around that. Well, that was, that was uh, really interesting. In fact, I, I, I think about that. I, I, you know, this is a team that I – was aware of had a couple coaches that that coached for me at Hawaii were on the staff, and they had lost their first six games, and and uh, so they talked the uh, a guy I uh, Eric Tillman who was uh, uh, a Northwest guy, he is, was was uh, uh, head scout and the general manager flew to Portland Airport to talk me to me about coming up, not coaching but just trying to you know, watch and maybe help the head coach in, in getting some offense uh, into the game. And so we talked, uh, and I finally agreed to go up. So I watched uh, two, two, two games, and the second game, well, they got beat by Calgary 61-3, to and uh, uh, they fired the coach, and, and out of nowhere they asked me if I would take over. I said, well, I don't even know these players' names. I didn't know. I didn't know who they were. Or, or I, I was trying to get caught up on the rule changes. I played in Canada, coached in Canada one year. And so it didn't take long for me to get back retuned to that. But but it was really uh, an incredible year. They were uh, 0-8, and they were dead last in every offensive category. Uh, that the CFL kept track of when they were 0-8. And, and I made one uh, change and, and played everybody else the same way. The change was Jeremiah Mazzoli came in for Zach Polaris as quarterback. And uh, we went 6-4. and four, And uh, in those four games, which is even more incredible, I didn't tell you this, but we had the ball with to win the game, uh, each of those four losses inside the 30-yard line. 
you know, and we and we just didn't get it done. Could have gone ten and zero, but mm-hmm. at the same time, at the end of the season, every offensive category, those same players became number one in the league in offense. And I know a lot of that is because of the things that we kind of tweaked and put in uh, via the the offense that I'm associated with. But at the same time, I got the players to buy into what we talked about before become a team and to love each other and to put each other first. In fact, I still get a text message from those guys all the time and, you know, saying what a culture change. And that still went on after I left as they went to the Great Cup last year. I flew up to the Great Cup to watch it. I wish they would have won, but they ended up losing. But it was really a great experience and an awesome uh, professional moment for me. June Jones, our guest. I'm still, these things astonish me, June, to hear you talk about the statistical realities. And this is where I guess I do, the buy-in is a testament to you and your players buying in and you instilling that. But there had to, the X's and O's, one small tweak. I mean, Jeremiah Masoli becomes a quarterback. One small tweak, you go from last to first in all offensive categories. So that small tweak had to have a big impact can the run, I mean, can the run and shoot? What were they running? And how can you get them to buy into that and execute it so well so quickly? Well, um, you know, trust. They've got to be able to trust you. They've got to know what I say and what I do is going to be the same. And, you know, all those things that win at every level, uh, you know, I've been, had an opportunity to do it. I think the thing that most people don't know about my career is every job I have ever taken was in the condition of the Hamilton program. Uh, they were old forever before SMU hadn't been a game in 22 years and had had a winning season. We went to five or four straight bowls, should have gone to five. Uh, Hawaii was in the worst condition. They'd lost 18 straight games. The Oilers were in the worst condition. The Atlanta Falcons were in the worst condition. The Detroit uh, Lions were in the worst condition they'd ever been. And so I have had a history of being able to turn the locker room around, the chemistry around, and I and I have a formula for doing that, and it works. Wow. I mean, you make it sound like, well, you know, I, I don't know. How, how'd you come up with a formula? Though? I don't want you to give it away and give away your secrets, per se. Was it pl- plain? I mean, did Mouse help you with that and oh, develop that, or what? Uh, I mean, I, you steal from everybody. Uh, I think Jerry Glanville had a real impression on me. Bill Walsh stole a lot from him. Uh, a guy that was uh, uh, one of the greatest coaches of all time anywhere, uh, Frank Gans, who was a uh, head coach of the Kansas City Chiefs for a couple of years, but he was a special team coach. And, and uh, I think uh, being around him, stealing from the things that he did, but pretty much that's, you know, you steal from those that went before you that were successful. And I put together kind of a, a way of doing it with all those uh, guys' ideas and thoughts included in, in, the, in, the, in the chemistry part of it. I want to get to the, the here and now in a few moments. But I want part of the here and now, if you're still doing this, June, I was interested to see, are you and Mouse, do you have an online coaching clinic about the intricacies of the run and shoot? I saw that was up during this calendar year. Are you and Mouse still working on that? Well, we're, we, we, it's interesting. 
that, that you you say that mouse is uh, eighty, I think nine or ninety right now, and and so about a year and a half ago, one of my coaches uh, is very uh, internet oriented, uh, wanted to uh, to put up for high school coaches and and uh, young coaches uh, uh, a way for them to learn uh, about the offense, and so. You know, Mouse being the age he was, I, I, I told him, I said, we'll do it. And so Mouse flew to Portland. I flew from Hawaii to Portland. We all met uh, uh, with the coach, and he videotaped uh, all of us going over all the routes and all the things that we do and uh, put it together on a website. And so that was pretty cool to see, you know, to see all that done. And then what's really kind of been interesting uh getting phone calls and, and getting uh, uh, questions from all over the, the country. Uh, Brian, one of the most interesting ones I got was from Brian DeBow, the offensive coordinator with the Buffalo Bills. And uh, he had had two of my players now, Emmanuel Sanders and Cole Beasley. And so he wanted last year to put in a couple. Beasley was trying to talk him into putting in a couple of our thoughts. So he called me. And I took them through that, and I actually started watching the Buffalo games more because they do run a lot of our stuff. And he's had great success with with the the quarterback from Wyoming and and the uh, Cole Beasley. So that's been kind of fun to see, and <laughs> and uh, you know I'm I'm glad we did it. Uh, uh, it's amazing how many young coaches uh, you know have responded, and and you know with COVID, the internet became kind of the, the coaches' clinics because we couldn't physically go to uh, and have 500 coaches at a convention. So so uh, last year was kind of interesting, all the people that, that followed it. That's a great story. Coach uh, John Warren here. I, I work with Mike, and generally we'll do these interviews, but this one I've just been fascinated by, and I know you and Mike go back, so I just, just stay out of the way. But I do have one question you're so well entrenched with the run and shoot. And by the way, I've grown up watching you and watching your career as an Oregonian here. And it's, I just, I, I think the world of you, but I, I'm curious, have you ever coached anything that's not the run and shoot in any of your stops where you're in charge? Um, not in any of the stops where I've been in charge. Uh, I did uh, put in and we have, and we still do, um, we we run the same routes, but uh, we'll do it with with uh, maybe three wides and a tight end. We do it with two tight ends and two wides, but we still create kind of the spread formations. Uh, but but those things that we've added over the years, I remember Bill Walsh telling me that, and one of the one of the joys of my life was getting to uh, know Bill. The last ten years of his life, he'd come to Hawaii all the time, and and so he we would spend probably six to eight weeks uh, just together, almost every day. And he would come up to my office. We talked football. We he gave me a bunch of ideas to expand on some of the things that that Miles had designed, which I did, and uh, they worked really really well. And uh, just getting to know him from that standpoint was uh, such a plus. And he told me uh, one time during those conversations, he said, June, if you're not improving, if you're not 
tweaking at least 17 to 19% of what you did the year before and making it better, they're going to catch you. And <laughs> yeah. so, well, so when he said that to me, ever since that for for twenty you know twenty years, I've been I've been always looking to say, hey, that that would work, you know, w- with what we're doing, we can do it this way. And so you're always kind of just fine tuning it. Yeah, and and you mentioned the Buffalo Bills offensive coordinator getting a hold of you. Is there a quote unquote, let's say, cousin of the run and shoot, or or even variations that a coach might not want to run it fully, but learn it fully so that they can do offshoots of of some of its, uh, you know, the bones of the run and shoot. Well, yeah, there's been a bunch of guys. Uh, you know, Art Riles uh, uh, was number one offense in, in college football for a long time. You know, I remember him uh, asking me to come down in 1984 to his high school. And uh, from that day forward, he was always running, you know, half of our stuff. Mike Leach uh, came when he was at uh, Georgia Southern uh, and Valdosta State uh, to Jacksonville. They put in a lot of our stuff, uh, you know, and, and there's just been a whole bunch of, uh, of those uh, type guys and, and pretty much anybody that throws the ball, uh, I mean, at all, uh, runs, you know, some of the things we do. They don't run it full-time, but just like Buffalo. They run a ton of what we do. In fact, they even have a package called Mustang, which is which is uh, uh, the stuff that we did, the five or six routes that he put in uh, his offense uh, uh, that were run and shoot plays. And uh, I watch them, I see them, and, and they're doing them pretty good. I think they were ended up being one of the top offenses in the league last year. <laughs> Uh, June, we really uh, we could go on forever. I mean, this is fascinating, fascinating. material, uh, and really appreciate your time. Hope we can talk again down the road. But finally, on on kind of the past and then to the present, when you were putting up the ridiculous numbers you did before Neil did, and the run and shoot in its halcyon days at Portland State in the seventies, you throw for fifty touchdowns and six thousand yards in two years, essentially there. How di- how would that look now? If some, we get a film of a game that you played in 1975 for Portland State, look compared to the run and shoots of 2021. I mean, pretty similar. Uh, you, you find more similarities than, than not, for sure. The biggest difference was when the zone blitzes came into uh, came into the game. Uh, we had to go to the shotgun for the protection part of it. And, uh, uh, you know, I, I, I saved the article that Dick LeBeau wrote because uh, somebody was saying, uh, make, you know, they all forever said you can't win with this offense, you can't do this, you can't score inside the 20, you're going to get the quarterback killed. And I remember uh, somebody from Sports Illustrated asked Dick LeBeau about that and, and Dick was a coordinator against us everywhere, every conference I was in. He was at Cincinnati, uh, you know, he, he forever, and of course went to Tennessee, and we played him there. And his quote was, let me just tell you, they are harder to get to than anybody we play. <laughs> and I, I think of all the things that, that we did, I, I, I liked uh, and appreciated that quote more than anything because I always felt that, that what we did offensively, really uh, getting the ball out of 
as fast as we do and being able to recognize and see things that you can't sack us. And Dick never sacked us, and he was sacking everybody up and down the, the NFL at that time. Well, in that 2006 game, Mark Banker, I think, said, told me he was a proud. The biggest he was proudest of in that game was he sacked Colt twice. I think I mean, that was the thing that he was happy to be able. He never made you, the putter never got on the field, but he he was able to get a little bit of pressure. If you remember, June. Yep, I do remember, and I think uh, you know that year Colt set fifty four. 54 all-time NCAA records, not school records, NCAA records. And the one that I loved the most, because I was not a go-for-it-on-fourth-down guy at all, but we had the fewest punts in the history of college football <laughs> over 110 years. We only punted 12 times. Oh, my gosh. Wow. That's unbelievable. So let's 12 times, 14 games. That's incredible. Let's close with... A thought, June. What's happening? You told me about some fascinating things in the works. Time is short, but what is happening now with you? What's next? Well, uh, I had a you know a lot of fun in the XFL. Randy Mueller, another Northwest uh, mm-hmm. guy, who I'm sure you recognize that yes. name. I hired to come on board with me. We had a blast. We ended up being five and zero, oh, and I'll take it to the grave that we're the only <laughs> undefeated team, along with the Miami Dolphins. Right. In pro football, ever mm-hmm. <laughs> we were in the five and oh, that was a lot of fun. And via that, uh, Vince McMahon, I've been talking to, and, and The Rock has bought the league. And uh, they're gonna, it sounds, I'm, I'm pretty sure, I feel very confident that the CFL and the XFL are gonna merge and become one league. And uh, the nine U.S. teams and nine Canadian teams, and I was been part of those conversations. Part of making the rules uh, converted from Canadian to to U.S. that would work down here, and so I'm excited about that. And I think uh, as soon as the CFL season concludes, those uh, conversations are going to be expedited again. And I think that we'll see that happen, and I'll be a part of that hopefully. Well, we I sure hope we can talk about it when that comes around, June. This has been one of the, the more pleasurable conversations we've ever had on this show. Really appreciate you making time yeah. for us today and hope we can stay in touch as uh, the years roll on. Thanks for looking back at a lot of uh, important things in the history of football with us and our own history at Oregon State. Thanks, Coach. Really appreciate your time, June. Thank you. Yeah, I appreciate appreciate the phone call. You have my cell. I haven't changed it in 25 years. So. <laughs> okay. I'm glad to know that we can talk again. Thanks a lot, June. We really appreciate it. All right. Aloha, guys. Aloha. Thank you. Wow, Johnny. <laughs> so cool. And we didn't even scratch the surface no, with this no, guy's career. No, I mean, every he had a story for everything that was like, oh, that's interesting. I would like to have gotten full confirmation that the Canadian Football League, when they do this, is going to go over to American rules. Sounds like they're talking about that. The merger is all being discussed. I know in Canada that would be a huge story. Vince McMahon and his promotional savvy and the XFL, CFL merging 9 and 9. I think it's a great idea. so popular. I think that has a chance to hit. And I think the only thing that has kept maybe a lot of people from being a Canadian football fan is the rules. And, but, and the timing, you know, they would always play in the summertime. And uh, But, oh, man, that would be really cool. Let's take a break. As time permits, we hope to visit with Riley Sharp, 
but we'll have a little Jack Coletto in between as we await Riley's call. Mike Parker with John Warren on the Joe Beaver Show, 1240 Joe Radio. Luxury vinyl plank flooring is really popular right now, and Corvallis Floor Covering carries several different brands. LVB flooring is waterproof, durable, very affordable, and mimics the look and texture of real wood. Window coverings are an easy way to update a room, and Corvallis Floor Covering has new fashion looks by Hunter Douglas and Norman Window Fashions. Stop by and browse through their large showroom. They're at the corner of 2nd and Van Buren downtown, or log on to CorvallisFloorCovering.com. Shop local, shop Corvallis Floor Covering, and go Beeves! Every Qdoba catering order is a fresh-made Mexican feast of hand-smashed, flame-grilled, sliced, diced, and sautéed flavors perfect for any occasion. Whether you're planning your office's Tortilla Tuesday, hosting a post-game party for your intramural dodgeball team, or trying to bring in a dinner for your PTA meeting that's so good, it'll bump your kid up to an A- in Spanish class. Qdoba Catering. Fresh, hot, easy, delicious. Order today. See the full line of Yamaha YXZ1000R Pure Speed.